Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 146 for Wednesday, December 27th, 2017. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians here, very cold in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here, not that cold, in Las Gatas, California, Paul Kent. How you doing today, Mr. Kent? I'm good, man. Welcome back from the holiday. Did you have a good Christmas? We had a really nice Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. How about you? Uh, it was really nice. I had my oldest daughter who uh, got married this year and took a lot of trips to California. She lives in New York. Uh, she didn't come back, which was weird not to have the whole clan together. Right. But my two youngest daughters were here. We had a blast. We had a lot of laughs. We had just really fun time. My dad came over for a Christmas dinner. It was, uh, you know, like music sometimes, you, you know, uh, life can surprise you when you're thinking things are just going to be okay. And then all of a sudden they're wonderful. You yeah. are, you are reminded we control very little in this world. It's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Expectations are there to be broken. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. In every way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did you, play, did you end up playing that that gig that you were talking about? I did. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it was actually, um, it, that was Christmas night? Christmas night. Yeah, we actually had a rehearsal uh, right before the gig. So it was Rocky Horror Show, the the live stage version of it. And uh, we did a rehearsal. I think the call was like 8 o'clock or something. I wound up getting there a little early just to get things set up because I'm using most of another drummer's kit who's doing another show there. So I just wanted to really settle in. And uh, so we did a rehearsal at about, I don't know, 9 o'clock or something. And then uh, – and then they filled the house up and it was totally sold out. In fact, they were creating seats for people, uh, which was great. I think that place holds, I think it's just shy of 300 people is what the Seacoast Rep Theater holds. And um, and then at midnight, we we did the show and we they had rearranged it and done it as a one act, which is really, really smart because um, that particular place's liquor license doesn't allow them to sell booze after midnight. So it's like once they're in, like just go. Mm. Um, which would, I mean, even if they could sell booze, like it, the show that's starting at midnight, you don't want to take a break, but, um, uh, it went really well. It, the, it was weird though. I, I mean, the, the band played, it was the best the band had ever played the show, you know, out of all the rehearsals that we'd done and the cast seemed to do really well. There was a one mic problem or something with one of the cast members, but that, that kind of thing happens and you just sort of deal with it. But, um, but it, it went really well, but it was really weird doing a rock show. Like I, I do. A, obviously, I've done quite a few theater shows. This is the only time of any theater show I've done where I've broken a sweat. Like it felt like a rock gig because there's <laughs> barely, barely any time to stop playing, you know, and uh, and you're playing full songs, not like snippets of songs and things, you know, that are sort of happening around dialogue. There's certainly enough dialogue in it, but it's, you know, I mean, it's just a rock show. And it was really weird doing a show where I couldn't see the cast at all. And we playing off of charts on this? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. There's charts. Um, they're, they're actually very well written charts. For the most part, I you know, the band uses the charts as a a uh, sort of a guide it's it's not 
it's it's it would probably be a really bad idea if everybody played the charts verbatim. But um, it's like, OK, you know, here's the groove for this tune. Great. You know, on bar, you know, 17 stop on beat one, come back in on beat four. Like that kind of thing is like mm-hmm. everybody's got to follow. But in terms of the sort of the grooves that they wrote out, it's like, yeah, OK, this is this is a two four groove. All right. Just lock in with the bass player and go, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but it was it was fun. But like I said, really weird. Um, and it's just because of the way the theater's currently set up for this other show that they're doing called the Winter Wonderettes or something that just the pit is a is set up as a normal pit. And really, it's in the room, but but totally separate from the stage. I think we're doing the same thing on uh, Midnight Show on New Year's Eve. And there's some talk of doing something to make the band more in sync with the uh, not that we were out of sync, but just visually more accessible to the uh, to the to the cast. And uh, so, you know, I have an interesting thought about this. So yeah. your success with this. And remember, we do the park dance, the Los Gatos park dance we've done on uh, Labor Day weekend. And everybody said we were crazy for doing that. Yep. Um, I just did this petty gig on the Friday after Thanksgiving. It, maybe there's like something to learn that, you know, the habits are changing and people will go out for a fun event uh, over a holiday or weekend. They don't stay in hunkered down as much. I don't know. I don't know. That, that's just an observation. I know a lot of people really questioned us about the park dance, but I thought it was a, a really good idea to do it that weekend, end of summer, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. But the petty one, you know, we did it, you know, the night after Thanksgiving and people, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have done it on Thanksgiving. Although maybe you could, maybe you're done with your meal. You want to get out and do something. I don't know, but maybe, you know, round holidays are not as taboo a time to do events as they used to be. I, I think what I, I think you're right, but I think you're you touched on something that's an important distinction here. I think an, if if you were to have, say, just a normal, you know, the House Rockers or Fling is playing at some club uh, and it happens to be, you know, Christmas night or it happens to be. You know, that Friday after Thanksgiving or whatever, like the the traditionally dead nights for clubs, I think will remain traditionally dead nights for clubs. But doing an event, something special where, like you said, people can plan and say, oh, yeah, we're doing Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. And then after we're going to go and do this thing. So, I mean, not to say that the House Rockers or Fling or, or your band, right, couldn't put on a special event, but I think you need to bill it as something that's unique in some way, like your petty thing, right? Or, you yeah. know, it's got to be something where people say, oh, it's this, it, it's this special thing as opposed to it's the same band I saw last month. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, but I think for that, I think you're totally right that people get up and I mean, clearly I was shocked that people were out at midnight for a midnight showing on Christmas night, when Christmas is a Monday and Tuesday is a work day for a lot of people, not everybody, obviously, but but a lot of people. And there were a lot of people in the theater that uh, that I heard saying, oh, yeah, you know, I got to I got to go to work tomorrow. And it's like, holy crap, man, it's two o'clock in the morning, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, it's pretty good. Noted. Yeah, cool. Well, good. Glad the gig went well and glad you had a good time. And How'd your glad Christmas? you worked up a little lather. It was really nice to work up a little lather. Uh, you know, it's, I don't get that at uh at theater gigs often 
And, uh, and I like it, you know, I'm a rock drummer, right? I mean, that's, that's like at my core, what, what I like to do. I have, I can do all these other things and it's fine and, and fun. And it's good to have, play something that requires, you know, the brain to work a little bit differently or whatever. But, um, but at the core, You're a rock you know, drummer. yeah, I like to get up and you sweat, man. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's all about. For me. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really I nice. Know, it was totally sort of a nice it. treat that didn't happen during any of the rehearsals. And, uh, you know, to be playing, actually it started happening during the, the rehearsal we did that night where it was like, oh yeah, wait a minute. We're playing like a rock band. Oh, <laughs> holy crap. Woohoo. You know? <laughs> yeah. It was pretty good. That was pretty good. That's cool. You played too, right? Christmas um, Eve, I, I think. Didn't you? I, no, I didn't play. Definitely didn't play. Oh, I, I got, well, dude, I got offered a gig. Right. This is funny. So, um, acoustic madness got offered a gig on Christmas Eve, uh, and the first time that the, that the client threw out, just we couldn't make it work. Sure. It was, you know, right in the middle of family Christmas Eve stuff. And then I I said couldn't make it work. And then the, the client came back and said, you know, how about 930? And I went to the boss, my wife, and I said, what do you think about me ducking out for a little bit on 930? Because it paid really, really well. That's what you were saying. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, really well. And, um, and, and, and the boss said, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, cause it, then it was only a half hour gig. I mean, it paid really well. It was a half hour gig. And actually the client, it was just a private party at someone's house. Right. The client didn't even want us to bring a sound system, just, you know, gather around and sing carols to his, to his, uh, his Christmas Eve party. Um, what, what, and then, what, a, what an awful logistical thing to have to deal with, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. With your walk in and, and play. Yeah. Yeah, this is unknown territory for me. And then uh and then the the gig moved down to 7:30 and and I just wasn't willing to give up family time for that. But God, um a, the other folks in Acoustic Madness were able to make it work. So oh. the guy got good entertainment, good for him. They got paid good for them and uh yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing is you know, we I, I think about those conversations we have about the true working musicians that they yeah. have to take any chance to make money using your instrument is the way you put food on the table. And, you know, many, many people would have taken that gig because, again, it paid really well. Totally. And, you know, I totally get it. But this was one I kind of felt fortunate enough that, you know, I didn't have to do it. And I didn't keep my bandmates from not making money that night. So, you know, they were the able to right take it there. as a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Both of those things. Yep. So it worked out. I mean, I was I was flattered to be asked. It was cool, you know, figuring out if we could have made it work, but no harm, no foul, move on with life. You know, everybody was happy at the end of the day. So cool. it, that was pretty cool. But I ended up not doing that gig for sure. Gotcha. So but yeah. you, you mentioned something because I, I've, I, I suppose I've done this lots, but I've only ever had one true gig booked where it was fully acoustic. Like, like you just described, no PA, no mics, no power used at all. Um, we did a fling gig for a, a Halloween party for some theater folks years ago that um, it was just in this woman's house and we brought guitars. I think I brought some congas and there was a piano there that our keyboard player used, but we just sang into the air. And even to this day, it is, you know, it, it's one of those gigs that amongst the five of us lives in lives forever in fling lore. It was just <laughs> that was just magic. Right. I mean, it was the the right vibe and the right thing. And uh, and the sound just happened to really work in in her living room or, or dining room or parlor. Or what I don't know, whatever kind of room it was. 
But um, it was really. Have you ever done a gig where you haven't used the mics nope. or anything? Yeah. Oh, I guess one time I walked in to play Christmas carols yeah. for a group that was having an event, and just one time, and it was nice. You know, they paid attention. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a funny thing. Uh, Steve, an acoustic man, is he got this great set of gigs. Um, paid really well. Strolling San Jose Airport, just him and a guitar. Three hours. He got a, he got asked to do eleven days. He couldn't do all eleven, so he offloaded a couple. He offered them to me. I couldn't do them. He offloaded a couple to another friend of mine. Uh, but it was that. It was just literally strolling the aisles of the concourse of say airport. Him and a guitar, you know, doing Christmas songs. And he actually shared that it was actually um, kind of a surreal, wonderful thing. Like you'd think it would, you know, you think of an airport and you think about a guy going like, and Terry asked, did people, would, how did people realize that he wasn't just some guy walking up and down the airport? I don't know. He wasn't wearing a, a Right. There wasn't a sign saying, a shirt or, I'm paid yeah. to be here, right? Yeah. But but he and my other friend Johnny, who took some of the other gigs, they both shared it. Actually, was a really nice, meaningful connection. You know, it sounded brutal to me. Three hours of strolling, you know, minstrel type stuff sounds yeah. really hard work to me. Three, but they three did hours it. of acoustic music, uh, solo music is tough. Although I guess with the airport, the crowd is rotating almost by definition. So you can start repeating songs pretty quick in the rotation. Oh yeah. yeah. There was yeah. no expectation of that. I'm just right, thinking, walking right. for three hours. Yeah. I mean, I guess he took a 15 minute break every, every set, everything like that. But, um, yeah, that's cool. I, yeah. That, that's again, one of those things where those guys are taking up the mantle of a true, do what it takes to get it done. Working musician. Yeah. I, especially with acoustic music, I keep getting pickier and pickier about the things that I like to do and want to do. I have a gig coming up on Friday night that's um, a coffee house gig, my first actual coffee house gig. I play quite a few wineries, and wineries have different different uh, vibes to them. You know, I play I play one winery where it's really cool. I mean, the venue is right, and people are kind of facing me and are you know more or less relaxing with their wine, enjoying light conversation, but often you know paying attention. Uh, and then I play other wineries where it's pure background music, which is not that fun for me. But it's better than to me than restaurant gigs where there's the clanking of plates and you know it's hard to even be heard hear yourself. Sure, Those yeah. are really difficult gigs. But um, I, in my mind, I'm really really looking forward to this coffee house gig because in my mind. You know, it'll be mellow. I play a lot of like kind of finger picking style guitar stuff that is really lost. You know, like when you need volume, it's pretty hard to do it, you know, finger picking. And, and I play a lot of soft songs and sing a lot of songs that have a lot of, you know, passages that are kind of like soft voice. But um, in my mind, I'm thinking this is going to be, you know, what I understand coffeehouse vibes from the, you know, the 60s and 70s, where I may be totally fantasizing this and walk in and have the same thing. But but it actually brings an interesting question about how much of this, if you're going to play that style of music, I, and it's part of my performing life, how do I get people's attention to pay attention and quiet down, you know, pause their conversation and listen if it's not a music room. So if it's a music room, the expectation is set, right? Right. This right. is this is a coffee house that has started offering music. Uh, it wasn't open at these hours previously. So if you're coming to this place now, music is kind of the lead of the reason that you would come. Okay. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of adding all these factors together and I'm assuming there'll be some caution, but it is in my mind, you know, how do I kind of seize as a performer, how do I kind of seize the moment? Do you ask, you know, if I can get a little quiet, I think you'll enjoy the music a little better. You know, do I, you know, do you actually kind of like set the expectation as a performer? I, I, so I have two, I have two, there's two things to talk about here. Bring it. Yeah. The first is that 
uh, coffee house gigs, it's very different playing for people that are caffeinated versus people that are drinking alcohol. Nighttime. Uh, it is might nighttime. be decaffeinated. It might be right. And, and, and so that vibe can go, I've had it go either way. I've had coffee house gigs be some of the most energetic gigs I've ever played mm. and also then have them be very mellow. It really depends on, I suppose a lot of factors. I mean, it, it's the people in the room, the vibe of the, the club or the coffee house in this case, the, what type of people it brings in. But also you definitely have the ability to control that. Uh, you know, I mean, if you start playing upbeat stuff, I, I bet people would engage uh, on that, too. Uh, although, you you know, you can feel it out in terms of how to get if you want people to quiet down and listen and they're chatting. That can be really tough. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember seeing a guitar player. God, I wish I could remember his name. Joe. Uh, anyway, great studio musician, worked in New York all the time. Um, and he would he would play. He was a jazz guy when he played out. He could play anything. And uh, and I went and saw him once in this club and it was just him playing his electric guitar. But he was playing like jazz stuff on it, uh, you know, pretty um, you know, mellow stuff and, and just him and he wasn't singing or anything. And I could see he was getting frustrated that people were talking. And what he did was he finished a song and he turned his amp down and he played another song. And when he finished that one, people still hadn't stopped talking. He turned his amp down again. And finally he got his amp so quiet that everybody stopped and listened to him. How interesting. Well, think about it, right? You know, if there's this thing that you at some level want to hear, but but also is just creating sort of the noise floor of the room. Well, if you take that away, you know, if there's just music playing on the PA in a club and suddenly it turns off, like everybody freaks out like this, there's this comfort zone that's now gone and, and you feel really exposed. And and that was what he was doing. And uh, finally it worked. And, uh, you know, I saw him kind of smile and I caught his eye and and, and sort of winked at him. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, <laughs> that's, that's cool. So there's, yeah. here's a couple of things to think about. So one, um, if you create the vibe where people aren't. T- all right. Well, actually, let me back up here. The type of music I want to play and the type of be- show I want people to know they're going to get when they come see me acoustically is going to be this more kind of storytelling singer songwriter sure. kind of vibe. Sure. You know, I'm seeking for places that I might have the best opportunity to do that. And that's what I think I can, you know, give the best show with. I mean, I think I'm very deliberate about the songs I pick and the songs I prepare uh, for, for a show, for this show in particular, but in general. Uh, so it's kind of interesting if if you create the vibe where people can't talk, will you chase some of the patrons of people who came in to grab a cup of coffee and have a conversation? <laughs> will you chase them away and kind of bum out the, the venue owner to, of a coffee shop? Right. That's that's on one side of my mind. The second side is I actually think if I can. Through some combination of the order of songs the way that I'm kind of, and actually I take a lot of responsibility for this. I'm going to try and dictate the vibe of the room instead of reacting to the vibe of the room. Right. Hard. Yep. No, it takes a lot of balls. Yeah, it does take a lot of balls, but, but I mean, getting up on stage in general takes a lot of balls. And frankly, I think it's easy for all of us to forget that. Um, You know what I mean? Like it's, you're doing something that most people can't even fathom doing right anytime you take the stage so but taking the stage with purpose honestly 
that usually makes an audience more comfortable. You know, if you just sort of go up and don't say anything and just start playing your guitar and play like six I agree songs, with that. You know what I mean? And, and you're just, you, you've now- You become background. You've defined yourself as background. Yep. Whereas right. if you come up and you grab your thing, hey, everybody, thanks for coming. You know, I appreciate you having me here, right? You know, I mean, if it's not people you invited down, you know, it's either thanks for coming or thanks for having me, right? Depending on what the vibe of the room is. And then, you know, I'm Paul Kent. Uh, I've got some songs to play for you. Uh, I've got some stories to tell you. It, it, you know, if you want to, if you want to, you know, engage or whatever, you know, feel free to move up closer. If people aren't aren't already closer to you, I've, I've you know, we'll make it a fun night together. That kind yep. of thing, and yep. then actually delivering on that promise, obviously. But then you got to manage it ongoing, right? You so do. the volume kind of comes up, and you know, so yep. that is the nuance of being a performer that I would like to get better at personally. I mean, it is a personal goal of mine. The music part, I think, is there. Yeah. But, you know, again, there are music rooms. There are quasi-music rooms. When we play, uh, our, when Acoustic Madness plays Viva, that's a restaurant that we've turned into a music room. So we, okay. that gig starts for us at 730. It's a restaurant. I mean, it's, it is a restaurant. There's a bar there. There's a restaurant. And uh, we play at 730, and they're just about with their last, last seating of dinner so people okay. may still get their food after that but you know it's still you know people going on there we have figured out a gentle tension there and also we get a lot of people come to see us now and they help define the room as a as a music room as opposed to being a restaurant so you know there's a lot of people who are engaged with us and they help create the vibe that the, the performers are going to do something for us if we just give them a chance and we just listen to them right right so but doing it solo, again, is a different thing. And and so in my mind, I have this very intimate, you know, enjoyable connection between performer and audience that I'm going to enjoy um, uh, working as a performer. You know, again, I might walk in and be really noisy and I'm going to have to figure out what to do. But um, but I, I know what I want to do. I'm very clear on what the goal is. I also know you know, from enough experience, what happens when it's just not going to happen. And, you know, then you, you kind of give people what they want. But like I said, I'm I'm particularly determined to st- to create a vibe that if you come see me for an acoustic show, you're going to get some pretty interesting finger picking storytelling songs. Yeah, and you know I'm going to continue to find venues that that want that type of thing. Yeah, well that's and, that's a huge part of it is is yeah. bringing the right thing to the right venue for sure. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that's my last gig for the year. I'm looking forward to it. I'll definitely report back on it. I'm really excited about the song list I have. I mean, I've picked some really interesting things and, you know, there's songs that have meaning to me. And so kind of the, the, the rap that goes along with performing the songs, I think will flow pretty well. So cool. uh, I'll I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, that sounds great, man. That's awesome. Sweet. Hey, we got um, a pretty interesting question. We actually, did you know we have listeners in Australia? Uh, well, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> so this nice guy, Ross Winley from Sydney, Australia, sent in a very interesting email with an interesting question. He says, um, he's got a, he's got a new day job and he says, I'm loving my job, but I miss performing as I'm not in any bands anymore, at least not on stage. Anyway, I've been playing electric and acoustic guitar and now bass and vocals, but not much is happening with any of this. Now I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you would go about Starting from scratch, building a new band or a solo project for that matter, 
things that you have learned about the process, where to find and not to find musicians, which is an interesting conversation, dealing with venues, local jam nights, and what you would do today, given what you have done in the past. I'm thinking new year, new bands. So cool question, you know, very interesting. Thanks, Ross, for sending it in. Wow. And really glad that you're listening. It's it's incredible that this little conversation that we have goes all the way to Australia and people are into it. So that's kind of cool as well. So, so awesome. yeah, so, you know, this concept of if you were starting from scratch right now, I'll tell you, I'll start here and I'll tell you about okay. this area, right? Yep. So there's, there's, there's a couple of entry points to the conversation. One is you don't know anybody. Right. You're literally, you're like a, you're like a guy, like, like I was many years ago, my wife gave me a guitar and got me back into playing. And then, you know, the bug was in and I just had to keep exploring it. So, you know, Craigslist, you know, local want ads, music store want ads is kind of a one way to enter that. That's the, that's if you don't know anybody. I was always interested in how other people found people to play with as well. It, once you are in a scene, you start to create a network and you start to get exposed to a lot of people. I will say this, the, the most important thing I, uh, and this kind of goes to the end of the conversation first. Okay. You create, uh, your ability to attract good musicians has to do with the, the Uber concept of credibility. Credibility can be your chops, it can be your reputation as a dude yep. or, or, or a woman, yep. or it could be your ability to book a band and keep people working. I mean, that's kind of the common denominator, that's right? It. Yeah. It's, you're And, and I think you sort of covered it, but reliability f- falls very yeah, high. That you're that real. Yeah, yeah. That you're gonna real gonna at what you're going to do. Show up and do the gigs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that said, he asked about some interesting things like jam nights and, you know, I, I perceive that there's, there's a couple of pockets of people. There's the people, and usually you find jam nights are a very uh, kind of tribal thing. You find similar people going from jam night to jam night, and you know that's their that's their scene. They see each other, blues jam night day one, Monday you know rock jam night day two, Tuesday yeah. that type of thing. You know that is a pool of people, and you can definitely see. Um, you can find people, and you can certainly obviously evaluate their chops because you're getting up and showing it to you. That's one way to do it. I, I, I think will, I will say this about jam nights, though, and I, I know I'm interrupting your your thought train here, but but jam nights, like you said, tend to attract the people that want to go to jam nights. It generally, despite what the overall conversation is about, like most of the time, jam night people will say, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm looking to like find musicians and then, you know, graduate beyond jam night. That's what a lot of people say. But yep. a lot of times people that go to jam nights really just like going to jam nights, whether they admit this to themselves or not. They like going to jam nights. And that is the goal. That's right? their band. And that's their. Yes, that's their band. It's just a thing. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I've I've done jam night things and have had some great experiences and memories and learned a ton, but they never turn into gigging bands. So, you know, my advice, if you want to, if you want to get to the point where you're playing with a gigging band again, which is what it sounds like Ross is asking, I think that's where you start. Don't put that as the end goal. Put that as the first goal. Find yourself a gigging band. You know, maybe you don't start one, but uh, you know, join an existing one and let that be your entry into that world, because it's often two very different groups of musicians that are in the jam night circle and the gig night circle. 
I agree with that. But I also think if you get up at a jam night and say, hey, you know, I'm Ross and uh, uh, going to play a couple songs for you. I'm actually looking for guys to start a band. So if you like what I'm doing, come come yeah. talk to me. I think that's a good use of a jam night. It is. If you want to go that direction. Yeah. Just don't expect to get anything out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's like it's good to, to, to break out. And like if he hasn't been on stage in a while, it's a great opportunity to just go up. And it's, you know, the, the stakes are usually relatively low. Um, it, like for that purpose, I think it's great. But I, I just don't think it's realistic to to expect to find your next band going to jam nights. Yep. I, you know, that's been my experience anyway. There's also, you know, this circle of kind of the heavy cats in your, in whatever town you're in, right? So the guys who are players, they've been players for a long time. And that, that orbit tends to have some satellite, you know, I don't want to say wannabes, but you know, people who are like friends of the heavy cats, but not quite the chops or the, or the, or the, you know, the credibility of the heavy cats. Those clicks are interesting things. I, I mean, actually, the click here in my town is an interesting thing. There's a lot of people who have been doing it for a long time. They're very good at what they do. They know each other. They know they know each other, which means they right. know their chops and they know the ups and downs of playing with each other. And there's uh, you know there's a lot that goes along with that. And every once in a while, you see one of the heavy cats will break out of that click and try something. Yep. Um, I would say it probably doesn't work more often than it does work. Um, and this goes back to if you have gigs. So, you you know, you've done your work and you've lined up gigs and you need a player. You'll get those guys who are true pros that say, show me where to be. Tell me what the price is. And, you know, we'll make a deal. And my buddy Johnny, actually, you know, he... Um, he put together a band where he's got some heavy cats now. He's got, you know, one of the legendary drummers in this area. Great guy. But the guy's a working musician. And if yep. you can book me, you know, I'll be there. And he's a true pro. There's, you'll also find the people who are more invested in the click than they are in the working, right? They're more invested in their relative pecking order. And you um, wouldn't go outside the click because, you know, why is that guy playing with someone I don't know? Right. It, it so there's all sorts of social your, constructs. Your yeah, perceived yeah. value. So, okay. So that's, that's another way, right? Is hiring your way onto a scene. If you can book the gigs, then you can attract some musicians. Yep. And, and now people know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And you've given him some money. Like that's, Absolutely. That's always memorable. That's, that's ultimately credibility, right? So <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So then there's a third deal of like the hidden gems, the people in your community. And they and, and the thing is, these people are definitely out there. I'm uh, about to start a new project. Um, and there's a guy who I've, I've been introduced to. I've seen him play one time and he was great. Uh, and... Um, he works at Digidesign, so like a big technology music company where basically everybody there is a musician. You know, yeah. they're, they're usually an engineer musician and some absolutely fantastic musicians. I'm particularly excited, uh, to a, this is a guy, like I said, he doesn't play in a band. He's not in the, the A-list clique of guys around here, although his chops certainly are. Uh, and just, you know, whatever. Socially, he hasn't, you know, put himself out there to rejoin stuff. But everything about him, he seems like a great guy. He's clearly can play. He clearly can sing. Hmm. Um, you know, there are the – and then there are – extend that universe. There are the people who played, you know, when they were younger. That is now their station in their life that they can kind of get back out into it, right? You might be describing Ross. Right. I mean, that that sounds like his path. He took some time off and now it's time to get back into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and I actually think that's rewarding to me. I'm as a person, I have a, I have 
a lot of friends who are kind of, you know, the A-list guys around here. Um, and I play with them. I get the, you know, the pleasure of playing with them sometimes. Um, but you know, they're busy and, and, um, you know, there, there's a, there's a path to, to hanging in that crowd. Me as a, as a person, you know, this extends to all parts of my life. I'm very cautious about clicks. And when I sense one, I, my natural tendency is to shy away from them. Right. And, um, you know, when I can find guys who clearly can play, but just aren't those personalities that feel they have to be alpha and, you know, and beat their chest about it all the time. Those, those are particularly interesting people to me. And they are definitely out there. There's a lot of those guys out there. And if you want to be a leader. Yeah. Most musicians are like that. uh, Yeah. All right. Fair fair enough. But you understand, like I do amongst the, uh, you know, in the social construct of working musicians or want to be working musicians, you get what I'm saying about that kind of A-list click, right? I, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but they're. I guess what I'm saying is they're not the even the majority of the good players out there. But a lot of those good players need to be kind of pulled out of pulled pulled off the couch, for lack of a better analogy, right? They're they're there. They're like you said. They're not beating their chest. They're not the 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 ego trip of having everybody know that you're a great player, it doesn't factor into their world. They just happen to be great players and, and they can be great bandmates too, because <laughs> they tend not to, they tend to go with the flow, which is a yeah. good thing. Yeah. And, and actually I, let me qualify this there. You will also find in those A-list clicks really, really uh, good people with their heads screwed on. Um, yes. who it's just music. They're purists, you know, they got to be a list because of accomplishments and, uh, and who they are as a person. Those are the diamonds. I mean, those are the yeah. people who, if you find those people and you're doing something of interest to them and, you know, the music is going to be of a certain quality and you can run your business a certain quality, you know, I think you can find it, but, um, you, you know, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm castigating these by using the word click. I'm just using click as kind of a social, you know, yeah. clicks exist. They're groups of people who, yeah. who tend, yeah, who tend to gravitate to each other. Right. Yep. Um, there are people in those, in, in those groups who, you know, are just looking for a good project. Definitely. And there is that, yep. but you have to be able to have the ability to kind of discern the different personality types that you have. So, and but need, my emphasis, be careful with the, 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 the people that you pull off the couch, um, uh, there's usually, they don't really remember what the commitment things are like, yes. right? They they ha, they're yeah. kind of rosy about what these things are. We'll or, just play once a month, right? Or they're or they might have you know even deeper issues. I, I mean, it's it, it's not rare for a phenomenal musician to also be bipolar, right? And and a lot of times that's the reason that person is on the couch because the the commitment to the schedule, the highs and lows of playing on stage and all of that can sometimes be too much. And I've, I've certainly found myself in situations where you've got this person. It's like, Oh, Whoa, there's a lot of baggage that I didn't see coming into this project. And you feel for these people. I mean, it's, I I don't mean to be dismissive of this. In fact, quite the contrary. It's like, I've now learned like, all right, yeah, you know, you're a great person. You're a killer player and it's awesome to get together at your house or my house and just jam. But like, that's where that's that's the level to which this should should rise and no further. Um, and, and I would say that the, the, the important takeaway from that is if you want to be that guy putting together a band, you have to I, 
you have to remind yourself that discerning is is a valuable tact. Yeah. You find so many bands that are just the first available guy just because you're so anxious to get something together. And then you're managing heartache, you know, on an ongoing basis. You're managing personalities. You haven't been picky yeah. uh, on the front end. And now you're getting what you get. And so, you know, it may take a little longer to get the right guys, but I would say that's a, that's a, uh, an experienced perspective looking back. Be picky about the, about the people who you want to play with because you're, you are creating a, a family of sorts, you know, of coworkers of nothing else. And, um, but I, I know a lot of guys like, oh, it's so hard to find a bass player in this area. I finally found a guy who can stand upright. He can just play the simplest things. You'll be unhappy with that guy, right. you know, and after a certain amount of time. So, so be discerning, I think, is a reasonable, is a reasonable thing. Um, For sure. You know. Pick guys I, I, that I wanna, you want to play with, not not who are being able to fog a mirror is not the, the, the you know the lowest common denominator. <laughs> I, I want to circle back though because I've done this right. I mean, I did it when I moved to Texas. I did it when I moved back to Connecticut, and then I did it when I moved here to New Hampshire. Uh, joining a, a you know the local group of musicians without really knowing anybody and. You know, I found that Craigslist or whatever the analog to that was at the time. Now, it certainly is Craigslist, uh, at least in this area. But it seems pretty, pretty common uh, around I, like it, to join a band. I think that's the best way to do it. If you don't know anybody, just go out there, you know, it, mine Craigslist and you can actually set up filters to have it email you when like somebody posts something in your local musicians group with, you know, the, the word drummer, it just emails it to you and then you get to see it and then you're right there and th go out and audition, you know, just because a band offers you a gig because they like the way you play doesn't mean you have to say yes. Right. It's the yep. same, the same thing. Be discerning for sure. But even if you go on an audition and, you know, either they decline you or you decline them, right? You've, you've now met four musicians. And if you were a nice person and you, you showed up and you played well, even if they choose to go with somebody else, like they're not going to forget about you. And now you've got contact information for all of these people. And when you do that, I make sure like like when when I went to the audition for uh, for uh, uh, Uptown Celebration last year or this year, I guess. I before uh, they ever offered me the gig, they offered me the gig like the next day. I think it was uh, that night I got on Facebook and I made, you know, Facebook friend requests to every single person in that band. Um, and, you know, obviously, while I was there playing with them, I also, you know, tried to get to know them a little bit and made a little connection with each person individually. And so I knew walking out of there, I had six new musicians that I was getting six new musicians and a sound engineer, which, you know, can be a very valuable thing to, to know. Definitely. Person to know. And, you know, and now that's six. So if I and I didn't, but if I had gone on, you know, 10 auditions, you had 50 people to your list right there. And if you're smart about that, like you can really work that even if none of them offered you a gig in their bands or they did and you turned it down that like now you've got this thing. And if you do wind up with a gig and you're like, Oh, I need a guitar player. Oh, wait a minute. I met that dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. He could play. He would be good for this gig. Let me call him. But sure enough, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll do that gig with you. I remember you like that kind of thing. That's how totally. you get in. That's how you do it. And I don't know about your area. Band. Yeah. I don't know about in your area, but in my area, there are at least three or four, 
um, Facebook groups to join that are bit local Bay Area musicians. Uh, yeah, we've got that here too. That's right. Yeah, so yep. you could start one of those if one doesn't exist. That yep. would be one way to do it. Um, you know, and th- sometimes they're of the ones that I know of. One guy started it, who's a musician, and really started it. I don't, he, he seems to promote his own band on it, which is kind of weird. Right. But um, one guy started it. Um, because he wanted to try and create a revenue opportunity for himself. Um, and then, uh, one person just started it as, as a, as a exercise of goodwill. Hey, there's no cost to entry. Join them all. Right. And just, right. right just totally. You yeah. see what you can see, but that, that's actually a really powerful networking thing. So, so of all the things we talked about, you know, jam nights, you know, understand what they are and how they work and, you know, the mentality of those things. The, the A-list in your particular area, understand what it is, who it is, understand there are certainly uh, egos and, and uh, uh, you know, dynamics, social dynamics at play. But there's definitely great people, you know, musicians, pure musicians who just are looking for the right project. So if you're going to do something that, you know, can get A-list people to play with you, go for it. I mean, there are those, those people definitely out there. Again, my head is more about always keeping my eyes and ears out for those kind of unpolished gems, given the caveat you shared, Dave, which is really smart that, you know, sometimes guys haven't been playing for a reason is because, you know, they have stage fright. They have, they don't really have social, you know, uh, graces to, you know, be part of a working uh, group. So, you know, there's a couple of mixed things, but I, I would also say there's a lot of people who put it down for a while, who want to get back into it, who are really good players. You just got to kind of look for those people. And again, um, you can find them, you can find them via yeah. Facebook is kind of a great common denominator. Now uh, your local Craigslist, you know, music, music boards. I don't like general, you know, Craigslist is hard for me now because you have to put up with a lot of garbage in order to find something useful. You, you, you know, do, you gotta, but to be fair, you're, you're, and this is why I love these kinds of conversations between us. Cause you're always looking at it from the band leader's perspective. Someone that wants to start a project that wants to, yeah. you know, that has a vision. Whereas I, you know, I do enough of that everywhere else. So I like to just be the guy that, that, that joins a band. That's a good band. Right. But that, you know, like for me, Craigslist, absolutely. The noise is right there and I got to deal with that, but you can learn how to filter that out and you can be pretty efficient about it. And then, you know, occasionally you just... Well, for someone like you, you can actually break through the noise by saying, hey, I'm for real. Here's the things I've done. You know, yeah. like, like, and you also understand social media construct. So actually from a joining a band thing, because there's so many people who are, you know, just going to be sloppy about their, about their responses to, to offers, I would imagine someone like you, you know, like getting a resume with great, right? Yeah. So, oh, you know... You know to- and my advice there... And and still to this day, whenever I talk to Gary about uh, in Uptown, Gary, the guy who manages the band about, you know, how we met and all that stuff, he says, yeah, you were the only one that gave me a response that matched the request I put out there. I mean, he put a long winded, you know, description of the band, how they play, what they were looking for and all that. So I replied with a very long winded thing that gave him everything he was looking for. But I don't do that to everybody. Right. You know, and he's like, yeah, some people just, you know, just sent me like the two sentence reply. Like, yeah, I play the drums. Let me know when you want me to come audition. It's like delete, mm-hmm. you know, because he wasn't looking. And I certainly that. I certainly experienced that yeah. with. Uh, yeah. Remember, I told you that I got a couple of things saying like, well, here's what I do. And if you meet my standards, maybe we can do something together. I was like, exactly. you know, we're, we're the ones hiring. Like you can choose to say no if I offer you the gig, totally. but I'm not auditioning for you. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, you are, but 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 you need to understand how the people that have posted the ad, the people that are hiring for their band, how they are perceiving the process, regardless of how you're perceiving the process. Like when I go in, I, I mean, I'm going in to an audition with two goals. One is to get them to love me and offer me the gig, right? That That's like goal number one. But goal number two is to find out regardless of how much they tell me they love me and how much they tell me I'd be perfect for this. Like I've, I'm already walking in the room as a chameleon, right? I am going to be the person that you're going to love for this gig. What I need to decide is if I want to be that person that I've been for the last 48 minutes while we've auditioned, right? Is this the gig that I really want or have I just fooled everybody in the room, myself included, that this is awesome, because that can I've I've certainly gotten myself into positions where it's like, oh, yeah, I did it. I got him to offer me the gig. I'm going to take it. And then I realized, you know, six months in, like, what, what was I like? That's not me. Uh, yeah, I made them think that was me. That's really a bad thing. So I always do that. I make them, you know, like give them the, the drummer that they want and then decide if I want to be that drummer for them. Yeah. So you, gotta, you just got to be aware. That's all. And be nice. Don't be a jackass. No matter. Even if you walk in and these people are. You know, you're 10 times the musician that they are. Uh, don't be a jackass about it. And also, you know, don't feel bad if they're better than you. That actually can be the best thing. If you can convince people that are better than you to hire you, that's when you really learn. Like I, sure. that blues band I was in in Texas, I still to this day don't understand why they hired me. I, I had <laughs> no business plan in a blues band when I joined that band. Um, but Man, I sure learned a lot while I was in it, and that was great. <laughs> so, you know, anyway. Is that all we got for today, Mr. Kins? I think that's a great discussion. I mean, it was a great question. Yeah. Again, all the way from Australia, I'm blown away. But um, this was fun. This was a good conversation. Yeah, for sure. Folks, it has been a great 2017 with all of you, and I'm looking forward to 2018 together, Absolutely. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, oh, where's the where's the music? I got this new software here. To We're almost on three years of doing this. Isn't I that crazy? Know. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Performing for three years together, always performing. Always, we've always been. Always been. <laughs> Find us on our Facebook group. Go to giggabpodcast.com/slash/facebook and say hello to us there, or email us like Ross did. Feedback at giggabpodcast.com. Happy New Happy Year, New Year Dave. Happy New Year, Happy New Year everybody. Happy New Year, everybody.